Hey, Aaron. Hi, how's it going? Oh, it's going well. How are you today? Good, good, good. Fantastic. Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, as, as much as you can, you know, with my, uh, my no camera self right now. <laughs> so, probably not going to eat up much of your time, about half an hour, if that. Yeah, sure. So, I guess we can dive right into it. Uh, let me make sure my sound levels are good on my recording and everything. Yeah. All right, it's all looking good. I got to transcribe all that. That's the worst part about doing interviews is all the transcribing. Uh, yeah, I should think so. That's what they said that that you it would be better to do this on Zoom than on the phone because it's hard to to really. I can imagine it'd be really difficult yeah. to do it on the phone. It's usually four or five different programs for screen capture, and then I got to do playback, and it's just easier to do it on Zoom. Yeah, but, man, I'm psyched. I'm talking to the Duke. That's awesome. Yeah, man, I'm psyched to be talking to you. I mean, it's funny, even just when uh, my manager said Dread Central, I was like, oh, shit, I read that Dread Central all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I don't, I'm sorry if, I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll, it'll take me a second to get going. I'm so not used to this stuff. <laughs> I've uh, been doing this work for a really long time, and it's only uh, recently that anybody's really cared to hear from me directly it's usually the project that i'm in is the is the exciting thing you know and this is no this is uh, no i mean i guess it's a bit of an exception because people have really glommed onto the duke um which is another thing i didn't expect whatsoever yeah that's uh kind of leads into one of my questions is how has the uh fan reaction to the duke been for you because yeah it became like a thing i loved that dude i love that character playing through the game oh thanks man yeah the thing about it is, is hold on i got um the thing about it is is uh when i first did the game you know i i play i play a lot of games i don't really know if i'm a gamer but i certainly play a lot of different games and i've interacted with merchants before and like they're cool you know that you buy shit from them they sell you stuff like whatever they give you advice so when I found out that was my function in the game, I was like, oh, well, that's cool. I'll get to be, you know, like in the whole game, hopefully. And then as I did it, I was like, oh, this is cool. He's kind of funny. And, and you know, they, you know, we, we all sort of came up with this interesting character. And really what I thought was that it was going to be something that maybe after the game came out, I'd be at a dinner party somewhere and somebody would say, oh, what do you do? And I'd say, oh, I'm a voice actor for, you know, cartoons and video games. Say, oh, what have you been? And I'd say, well, Resident Evil Village. And they'd go, oh, my son loves that. And it would be like a nice little moment. And that's it. <laughs> that's all I expected. Because that's what a lot of my work is. It's I show up places or if I meet new people and they ask what I do and I tell them some of the things. And they go, oh, my friend knows that show or whatever. And that's all. But uh, so I already felt that. And then when I saw images of the Lady D. <laughs> and images of heisenberg and images of the other uh the, the other lords i was like well all these characters are so cool i mean like the lady d alone like you can just make an entire game off of just her and so uh so when it came out though the thing i didn't expect and it makes sense to me now but i completely didn't expect it was um there are the cool characters and the villainous characters the characters that look cool the characters that act cool but then what about the characters that the player interacts with and that actually help the player out? And in the Resident Evil universe, there are certain parts that can be kind of bleak. I mean, I know Seven, the one right before, you're kind of alone the whole time. I mean, you do get calls every now and again from that person that's kind of helping you out. But for the most part, it's really bleak and you're alone. So I think fans... Uh, 
you know, and as I played it myself, you're in this particularly precarious, scary, stressful situation. And then right afterwards, you come around the corner and the Duke is there to help the Duke. I mean, I also, you know, I guess, uh, I guess the voice had something to do with it too, you know, but it's hard for me to like take any um, ownership of any of it just because it's such a, you know, these characters are made by so many people. And if I'm honest and I don't mean to denigrate myself, I did the least amount of work on this project of anyone that worked on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just cause I kind of came in at the end and even the other actors, they did a lot of mocap. Um, but my character, you know, the Duke is so huge. He doesn't really move around that much. So there wasn't really any call for me to do mocap. So that's, I mean, that is another reason why this is kind of, uh, I'm sort of blindsided by, I'm thrilled by it because I'm a fan too. I mean, as you can see with all this stuff here, I'm a fan of, of all kinds of different stuff. So it's thrilling, but yeah, I am a little bit blindsided to be, to be. Oh, okay. Sorry. And my, Hello? Uh, yeah, my connection was being a bit weird. You still there? Uh Oh, Hello? All right, you still there? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Hello? Uh, sorry, yeah, my uh, my connection got weird for a second there. I'm not sure what's going on. Am I coming through okay? Oh, yeah, you're coming through okay now. Yeah, do you do you want me to? I can I can I can sort of repeat what I said. Oh no no no, uh, I, I caught it. It was recording. Um, I could still hear you just fine. It's just right there at the oh. end. Whenever you're talking about it, it for some reason this thing is haunted. <laughs> I think I lost you again. I keep seeing a little box that says that you are the the host. Okay. Maybe that does it for me there. Oh, so if we both don't have video. Yeah, I went ahead and turned okay. off okay. your video to see if that would... Yeah. Rural, yeah that... rural internet sometimes, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. I understand. Well, that uh, that uh, I think that works. That's working pretty good. Oh, yeah, I can... Uh, yeah, there we go. I can hear everything. But, yeah, yeah. I, I caught your whole first answer there that's crazy um yeah it's crazy it's a it's a crazy and also in addition being uh you know being in sixth grade and playing the first one with my friends and you know being absolutely terrified and trying not to let them know and and so then you know it's just amazing that 25 years later i'd be living in venice beach california sitting in a room and talking into a computer about the fact that I'm involved with the most recent Resident Evil. It's, it's kind of a surreal. So have you played Resident Evil 4? You know, um, I guess I kind of, because, you know, my relationship with, with games when I was younger was that I wasn't very good at them. So I was always watching other people play them. So I'm sure I witnessed somebody play it. But I can honestly say that I actually played it, although I am aware of the merchant character and his function and the fact that he was kind of beloved by the fans, or at least I'm finding that out now. Yeah, that's kind of where you where the Duke is in the pantheon of Resident Evil characters. You know, it's been four plus Resident Evil games since fans, you know, had a merchant to really side with. There wasn't a merchant character in any of the other games, really. So you're kind of in a in a neat space fan wise because I'm a huge fan of the Resident Evil series. I've played all of them. Um, oh, nice. So you're right up there with the Resident Evil Four Merchant, which is for people that play games, kind of a touchstone of the series. So you're in a, just a really neat space. 
Well, yeah, I definitely feel that. And another thing I think is in addition to that, it seems like this merchant, uh, at least, and again, I'm not as versed in a lot of different games, but it feels like this merchant is involved in a way that other merchants kind of weren't before. Usually there'd be a merchant stationed at a certain place in an open world, and you would just go to that place every time. But this character seems to kind of show up whenever you need him, especially in the castle when like Lady D's chasing after you, you can run into the room and she won't get you. And there's a lot of relief that comes along with that, I feel. Myself, for myself, certainly when I played it. Oh yeah, the the first like uh, vendor room, merchant room in the castle is like your first introduction really to the Duke and how he functions. And a lot of people before the game came out thought that he was going to be slightly antagonistic. And I think it's people being surprised at just how much he contributes to the story. He provides exposition and just that brief reprieve from the terror of the game. You're always happy to run into a Duke room. You're like, oh, it's this guy. Thank God. Yeah. Well, and it's neat, too, because I kind of I actually shared that same suspicion when I first got involved with it. Uh, well, first, when I first got the part, I didn't know what it was for. I didn't find out later till it was Resident Evil because the whole process is so secretive. But as I was recording it, I started to wonder if maybe that was the case that he was going to become that he was going to turn on the character at some turn on Ethan at some point. But, um, but as I was recording it, he never did. And initially, you know, when I first did the first sets of records, it seemed to me that it was going to be that traditional merchant situation where it's just, he's stationed one place. He kind of says the same stuff over and over again when you buy stuff from him. But then I feel it was really neat. It was a, a couple months into the process. And one of the producers called me and said, well, they're kind of going a different direction. They're actually going to add, they're adding a lot more stuff for you to do, which, you know, an actor always loves to hear that because we want to work. But, um, but so I went in and kept recording and I was like, oh, that's so cool. But I really just could not, when I was doing it, I could not foresee what they were going to do with it. Um, uh, how it was going to factor into the player's experience of the actual world of Resident Evil Village. Yeah, you were talking about um, how you didn't expect, you know, people to be interviewing you, you know, just you about your performance instead of the game as a whole. I yeah. just wanted to give you a heads up. I had a choice of like twelve voice actors, and I was like, "Get me the Duke." Oh, that's like, so cool, man! Well, my 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 manager he said something to that effect. He was like, "You know, I've been reaching out to people and." And, and saying like oh, i have this person available that person available but everybody wants to talk to the dude which is really it just makes me feel great and i mean it's you know i have to admit as much as i you know I've, I've been in this business for about a decade and it's one of those things where you don't um i always wanted to work on high profile projects that were really popular that fans really loved but i just somewhere in there i just left out the idea that i would be doing stuff like this and so far so far, I think I'm doing okay. It's just that the one thing I got to watch is that I keep sort of denigrating my contribution to the game. <laughs> to the game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because and fans don't want to hear that shit. So maybe if I, if I do that at all, maybe just leave that out. <laughs> you should just start promoting yourself as like star of Resident Evil Eight. Like star of Resident Evil Eight. Well, it's it's neat too. It's it's just a you know speaking of fans and stuff. It is. I am like I said. I am a fan. So it's really what what a wonderful turn of events to be able to just kind of like be involved with something that is so beloved right off the bat that you have these opportunities to just kind of wave i mean this is a weird metaphor but like 
wave a magic wand and do something really meaningful for somebody, even if it means like, you know, like I've got set up on cameo, I'm going to start doing that stuff. And I've bought cameos before myself and they're so much fun. And so be able to, to be able to do that is cool. And, you know, we'll start signing autographs for people. And I don't know, it's, you know, that part of it is fun to be able to sort of pay that forward uh, because I am a fan myself, you know? Yeah, I'm just um, jazz seeing how it's it's blown up for you. I'm, I'm liking seeing the fan reaction. You know, I'm a games journalist, so I'm always diving into these things, looking at different. Uh, just pretty much like the fan reaction for Resident Evil Eight, and specifically the Duke has just been insane, and we've touched on that. But I just can't get over. I, I'm not sure what it is. I think it's that comfort. Like uh, it's a weird word to use, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. People are playing this game, and it is scary. Like, have you played through it? I have, yes. Yeah, it's scary, and it's nice whenever you hit those small spots where it's like, oh, hey, it's this guy. I'm good here. Um, yeah. The only issue, and I don't know if anybody's brought this up to you, occasionally the Duke makes a noise, and I don't know if it's like sitting up or clearing his throat or something, but if you hear it from another room, it scared me more than once while I was like checking something out. Oh, my God. I haven't heard that, but I fucking love that. I haven't I, – nobody said that, but that's – there was a whole day where I went in there and just – because the Duke did, there was no motion capture. So I was actually able to look at the Duke a couple times while I was recording the voice, not like the cutscene stuff mm. and not a lot of the dialogue, but um, when he's just kind of sitting there and sort of like, you know, getting cigarette ash on himself and going like, Whoa, or something like that. Um, <laughs> I just did that. I just did that all day. I would just, uh, 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 <laughs> just like different sounds. Um, and I love that. That's so amazing that it's scared. Yes. <laughs> scared. It's, I've heard that. Yeah. It has come to me from different people and it happened to me, uh, in a few places in the game, you'll be trying to like check out something like the, um, the labyrinth puzzles. Mm. I'd be trying me and other people that I've talked to trying to do the labyrinth puzzles and you hear that and you're like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> that's and, funny. And it's, you realize well, it's just you. Yeah. And you know, it's funny too, is cause I, uh, it's not like it took. I mean, the the the, vo uh, the voice was something that, um, like, when you're playing through the game, some of the different sounds. It's it, it's all pretty consistent. But if you notice, when I whenever you buy a, a weapon or you pay for something, and the Duke is talking to you, like, you know, saying stuff about what you bought or commenting on your purchases, that the voice is kind of a little bit more clear, like this. And the reason why is because that was the first day of recording. But when it gets into the cutscenes, it gets a little lower and a little bit more telling because, you know, they wanted they wanted people to not know where the Duke is coming from. So it's funny how, like, when I play the game as a whole, the voice kind of modulates a little bit, even in those moments where he's making little sounds and stuff. And it's just kind of it's a fun feeling to have that be like every time I see that, I remember being in the booth and it's kind of neat to be. Well, frankly, to be the only one that has that memory, like out of everybody that's experiencing this game all over the world, that I sort of that that memory is 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 just for me. It's kind of fun. That's awesome. Um, I have another question here. Uh, what was your workout regimen preparing to play the Duke? <laughs> well, it was. Um, I bought a Cold Stone, <laughs> and then I closed it a month later because I ate all the ice cream. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's another thing that's funny is that uh, the um, when I first auditioned for it, 
the I know that's a, a joke question. I'm not giving you a legitimate answer to a joke, but it's funny. It's, it's funny um, to think about his weight and to think about that stuff because uh, I didn't do any motion capture, like I said. But I'm a big guy. I mean, I'm I, I'm about six foot five, like three hundred. 300 and about 300 pounds now but back then i was probably about 340 i mean over the pandemic i lost a lot of weight just um being bored and <laughs> trying not to eat myself to death but uh i um when i i saw a picture that when i first went into audition they showed me a picture of what he what he what prospectively would look like and i saw how huge he was and i saw that he was a big guy but i also they said but he's not just i mean he's gonna be like you know, uh, anatomically, he'll be like eight feet tall and he'll be like, you know, eight, nine hundred pounds. So then I sort of when I auditioned for it, I really played up the whole kind of I stuck my stomach out. I tried to wear kind of a tighter shirt to the audition so that when you know that when I sat down in a chair that everything would kind of paunch out a little bit and did a lot of scratching and trying to like reach behind the chair and everything. And what I came to find out later was that, uh, I didn't do any motion capture. The people that did the character watched that um, audition tape over and over and over and over again. And it kind of aided in their design. I don't know exactly how, when I watch it, I can't say, I, there's no way that I could honestly say like, oh, see that move, that's me or whatever. But it is kind of funny. Uh, it is kind of funny to have sort of contributed to that in that way. You, you saved uh, you saved them the embarrassment of hiring someone to sit down and they'd just be like hey make fat guy noises yeah i mean that's, that's another thing too because it's i mean i wanted to be kind of you know there has been a little bit of sort of like i early on i mean everybody's kind of chilled out about it now i think but there has been a little bit of controversy about whether or not the duke is like fat phobic or something <laughs> like that which is i mean like you know look everybody everybody's entitled to whatever they want to be offended by but um but I think that the Duke is just this lovable character and they wanted him to have a unique look just like the other characters. And that's, you know, that's what they chose to do. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I think it's an incredible, I think it's actually the opposite of fat phobic as far as yeah. I'm concerned, you know, it's yeah. As also a big guy, I'm, I'm six, six around probably three sixty right now. Cause I yeah. did get lazy during the pandemic. I didn't I didn't catch that from him. Like I think people focus too much on how he looks like in a game with 9 foot tall vampire women and whatever the hell Moreau is, I'm not going to yeah. focus on like Well, you know what's interesting too though is I think too that as some of that controversy if I sort of read any of it. I mean, it's just little comments. It's not like anybody wrote an article about it or anything, but I think that I saw the most of that before the game came out for the most part. And once the game came out and people started actually experiencing the game and experiencing the character and the love that they feel for the character, I think any and all sort of like concern about that went away. But I, I you know, frankly, I, I can't help but admit that I was a little surprised by that when I read that uh, initially. So whenever I was preparing for this interview, you know, I checked through IMDb and things like that. I mean, we, we probably won't touch on uh, KKK Santa Claus, which is there in the IMDb. <laughs> Um, I can tell you that story. I mean, it's it's kind of silly, but yeah, 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 I'm down to hear that story for sure. Oh yeah, just really quick. It was just a, it was a show called Adam Ruins Everything, a really kind of a fun show, really informative. But this guy it was on True TV, and it was basically like him just taking certain subjects, like the history of uh, Christmas, and then doing and kind of ruining it for you, sort of telling you all of the uh, all of the sort of actual facts behind it, behind the traditions. 
And there was this one scene where he's talking about Santa Claus and talking about that, like the Coca-Cola ad is one of the reasons why everybody thinks of Santa Claus the way they do, or like at least how he looks. And then they said, but then there, and then it, I can't remember the exact line, but he says, uh, and then in 19, whatever, in such and such state, uh, they had a KKK parade and they had a KKK Santa Claus. And then they had me walk in and I said, uh, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I just said one line. <laughs> And that was it. It was supposed to be like this kind of like comedic sort of taking the piss out of the whole thing. But uh, and it wound up being kind of funny, whatever. But I had to sit there in a clan robe like all day, like just, like eating my lunch. And I just kept being like, can I take this thing off? <laughs> like, this, this is crazy. Um, so that's the that's why that's there. So uh, that's the story behind that. Oh, yeah, I. I like Adam Ruins Everything. I think it's a solid show. But, oh, you um, know it. Cool. Yeah, I was looking through IMDb, and I saw Primal on there. I, I know what Primal is, but I've never sat down and watched it. But I talked to my brother, who is a fan, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm doing an interview with uh, this guy that did the voice of Spear. And he said, what voice? And I said, what do you mean? It's credited. He said, there's no talking in that show. And I said, not in the entire show. And he said, no. He's like, it's like grunts and yells in the stuff. And I was like, that's even better. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, I know that it's probably not as cool as if I was actually talking, but uh, it shreds the shit out of my voice. I'll tell you that much. And, uh, and, you know, working out is, is, is part of that. Definitely. I mean, that show, the, the show is not about, uh, the show's not, it, the show's about the animation. It's Gendy Tartakovsky's show. And he does uh, Samurai Jack. He did Dexter's Lab, Samurai Jack. And I mean, Semiotic Titan and the first Clone Wars and all that stuff. So, and he's an incredible, he's a legendary animator. And this show was something that he wanted to do. It was, a, I think originally the idea was like a little kid and a dinosaur. And uh, Gendy loves dinosaurs. And I think that over the course of time, you know, he did the fifth season of Samurai Jack and I did that one with him. And when he did that one, he was able to get a little bit more, uh, there's a little bit more blood and a little bit more violence in it. And I think it's not a matter of him liking violence, but it's a matter of choreographing fight scenes that he might not have been able to do before. And uh, people really responded to it. And it was something that, you know, he could do exactly what he wanted to do. So I'm not sure what inspired him to do this, but I think he pulled that design out of the kid in the dinosaur and, excuse me, and decided to, uh, decided to do you know one with uh with an with an adult caveman and uh and you know the fight scenes because it's really it's about the animation it's about the music it's about the uh it's about the storytelling without dialogue because uh the so it not having dialogue is the whole point of the show but um and so that's a, this is a perfect example of uh primal was before resident evil village primal is the biggest thing probably other than some of the movies that i've done is the biggest thing that i've ever been involved with but the intention never came my way and for good reason your brother is right nobody like it's it's just grunting now if you listen to it you know what the human voice can do and you can see that what i do with my screaming and grunts and all that even though it's not dialogue is pretty special because it shreds the shit out of my voice but it's not, you know, the, the, um, the uh, attention was sort of never on me for that. So, it, you know, that's the show is all over the world and people really, really love it. But it's not something that I ever, you know, it's not something that ever that anybody ever really wanted to talk to me about, you know. And rightly so. It's not really about me. It's really about the 
the animation. I mean, cause it's, it is, it, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm in it. So obviously I'm going to sing its praises, but you know, people that are interested in animation, animation is changing. There's a, you know, it used to be all hand drawn, of course, and there was a lot of care taken in some of the characters and now, and not, you know, not talking bad about any shows, but now there's a lot of, you know, as far as animation goes, there's a lot of shows that are getting away with stuff. They're getting away with kind of shitty animation. And that's like, that's the whole charm that it's like shitty animation, but it's really absurdly funny and blah, blah, blah. And that's great. But I, this is a show for people that want to get back to like incredible animation, you know? I'm going to definitely have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, as a media critic and stuff, my my plate is always full of things that like I need to watch. It's kind I of like bet. The curse of my, my profession is just constantly having things piled up to look at. But I mean, yeah, I, instead I, of actually getting to cho- getting to choose to watch or listen to stuff, you have to kind of like tick off certain boxes. Yeah, I get emails and you know, but I, I definitely set aside time to talk with you, and I'm I'm happy I have because this is all very insightful. I enjoy this very much. Nice. You know, I've only been at this for about three months now, like just oh, nice. in games journalism. So you're probably the most famous person I've talked to. Oh well, that's that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, you're doing just fine. Shit. I, 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 this is, uh, I'm, you know, really new to this stuff too, but it's, uh, it's definitely, and it's, I think that's, that, that's the most important thing. It's like you, that you've, uh, you know, that you do your research. I feel like anybody that does this kind of stuff, um, the whole point is just to come to it. That's another thing that I never understood, but, I, but I, I'm getting it now is that we're doing all these interviews and I'm getting asked a lot of the same questions, but this has been like kind of different. It's been more, it's, it's nice. That, that's so I can already tell that you're, uh, that you're good at what you do. Yeah. I just try to, you know, I, I don't have a list of questions here with me. I had a few main points I wanted to touch on and, you know, I'm kind of wrapping up at this point, but um sure. Yeah, just a few points I wanted to touch on because I thought to myself, I played through this game, I love this character, and I'm happy to talk to this dude. That was the only mindset I came in with. That's awesome. Well, you, I mean, really, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm chilling. You can ask me whatever you want. I'm, okay. I don't know. Have... Uh, yeah. Real quick, is there anything you can tell us about the Duke? He's so mysterious, and you get that little line near the end where Ethan yeah. asks him, you know, if he's human, something along those lines. Anything you can shed light on that? Yeah, I, you know, I can't, it's, I can't, I can't, uh, just because, not because I'm keeping anything back, but what's interesting about the process of being an actor in these things is that you don't, you, you only have enough information to get your job done. Uh, you only have, they only give you enough information to really like play your character effectively. So they give you context for everything you're doing. But in terms of the origin of the character, they're not, I mean, they, they have no, they've not told me uh, anything and, 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 you know, uh, for good reason. Cause I think the character, the, the Duke, the two aspects of the Duke that people appreciate the most are one that he's very helpful and, cal- and very calming and two that he's mysterious. It's kind of exciting for people. So I feel like one of the, this is another thing that I'm becoming privy to that I wasn't before. And that is, the amount of creativity that fan theories generate for these games. And I won't speak for the company, but I bet they get a kick out of it too. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like putting out these characters and then letting fans just go wild with what they think might be the origin of the character or, uh, or, or, you know, where the characters come. I like to think of the character. I mean, I can tell you what I'd like to think he is. Absolutely. 
I th- I'd like to think that he might have been uh, one of the lords and decided and sort of had a change of heart, <laughs> basically, uh, and uh, was maybe going to be, uh, you know, one of Mother Miranda's children, but he's an alchemist. And so he was able to figure out a way to make himself invincible, even to Mother Miranda. Uh, so I think there's something to that effect. Also, I feel like he's, I feel like there's some psychic ability there uh, just because he sort of like knows what's going on. And he's really calm in all of his sort of encouragement of Ethan through the whole thing. So you wonder if he kind of knew what was going to happen to begin with and maybe him encouraging Ethan to defeat mother Miranda gets her out of the way. And then he can, have his own village (laughs) you know what i mean like that's kind of like that and that's not i mean that's kind of an amalgam of some of the things i saw just because you know people they point out these little easter egg things that and there's no i mean like you know like the sigil when ethan is in the back of the carriage and seeing that sigil and then you see the little uh the little notes that you know he's doing business with lady d and stuff like that so you know as far as whether or not he's going to come back or not that is complete. I have no idea because I've I've noticed that with Resident Evil, you know, they've it, it started off as like zombies and this corporation, evil corporation, and, and then over the course of time, it now it's become like it seems like every new iteration of it is just like yeah, a continuing story, but just like a new kind of horror altogether. It's as if the company's doing what I completely agree they should do, which is just explore all avenues of horror, do everything. Don't just do the the same kind of thing. Do a Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. Do like a, a medieval village that happens to take place in present time. And how do they get there? And who knows? There's so many unanswered questions. But when it all comes down to it, the, the gameplay is uh, what it's all about. And the gameplay variety in this, in this, uh, in the variety of villains and the variety of weapons and everything. I mean, it just, it's amazing. Yeah, you've come in um, kind of in the, the new golden age of resident evil it was you know fans will tell you it kind of started to fall off in five and six uh there was a big break between six and seven seven was a complete reinvention of the series with the first person camera um a higher emphasis on the scares like the earlier games so seven and eight stand alone uh in resident evil games as being kind of the new golden age of resident evil so it's got to be great to be a part of that it really is. And it's also cool, you know, frankly, just talking to you now, it's like a lot of the people I've been talking to are people that know what they're talking about in terms of the games, no more so than me. So I feel like I'm learning a lot, too, just about the history of Resident Evil and about, you know, how this game sort of stands out uh, or how Seven and Eight both sort of, you know, stand out in the in the series. And there's been so much talk, too, just because it is the 25th anniversary of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing to get to do this work at all, and it's quite another uh, to get to do something that's so legendary, so amazing. I mean, the the, the comparison that I've been um, saying in other interviews is that it's like if the Rolling Stones went on tour, and then they asked me to come on stage and play the triangle with them. <laughs> So I get to say that I'm in the Rolling Stones and they say, oh, what do you do? I'm like, I, I play the triangle. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of how it feels because it's this, you know, it's this amazing, it's this amazing franchise that just is so beloved. And, you know, I, I feel uh, uh, extra grateful that it's in the horror genre because that's my particular area of interest myself, horror movies, sci-fi movies and stuff like that. 
Same. Yeah, it's uh, you can't talk about Resident Evil without talking about the Duke. You're a bit more than the uh, the Triangle player this time around. I think so. Yeah, maybe maybe the yeah maybe uh maybe a really big Triangle. <laughs> a gong. You're the gong guy. I'm the gong guy. I'll come in and you know come in at the beginning, come in at the end. So um, during the recording and audition process and everything else, do, were you ever given a full name for the Duke, or has he always been the Duke? No, yeah, he hasn't. In fact, he had a different name completely when I did my first audition. Uh, and I don't recall what the name was, but you know, they had, they were really, I think early on, they were really kind of, that's one of the things that's interesting to know. I mean, I won't speak specifically on their process because I don't know, but what I, but from what I saw that there is a lot of, uh, the script is always kind of evolving. They're always sort of changing things as they go because they can, because they have the technology to do that, but also because they take such care in making it as good as possible, as opposed to just writing a script and then being like, okay, we're sticking to that script. And so when I, the initial process, especially the audition, and I'm sure a lot of people know this, but I'll just share it anyway, in case they don't, that when you audition for something, especially a video game, a lot of the times the sides are, dummy sides the script that they give you is just a dummy script it's not going to be anywhere in the game but it suggests what the character's function is in the game so you're playing this scene out but you're not actually playing the character that you're auditioning <laughs> that you're auditioning for and so the the dummy scene i don't recall it exactly but my character there's another character and they're like in the middle of a battle and then my character shows up and says something to them like, oh, it looks like you're well-armed or something like that. And we kind of go back and forth and the guy's like, you know, leave me alone. And he's like, well, if you need anything. And so it was kind of like he was the, the merchant, but it was a whole different thing. And then when I auditioned for it again, that was a different script too. <laughs> and so then when I finally got the part, that's when um, I showed up and I saw the script and it said the Duke. And that was the first time that I ever... Uh, saw his name and I don't think I asked if he does have a full name and uh, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't really know if uh, I, th I think the Duke is uh, I think the Duke is nice. <laughs> it's a nice uh, uh, sort of like overarching term for, I like the mysterious aspect of him. I mean, I mean, obviously I would love nothing more than to learn everything there is to know about him in the, in the ninth game. Cause that would mean I'd have a job, <laughs> but uh but, but, you know, like, we'll see. I mean, I think that, or if anything, you know, what they might do is maybe they'll do a whole nother iteration, whole nother story, of course, you know, the whole nother thing. But then maybe the Duke will have like a cameo or, you know, uh, maybe they'll make reference to him kind of like the Duke does for this one where he <clears throat> says, uh, what are you buying? <laughs> Just something my old friend of mine used to say. <laughs> Yeah, um, also that kind of feeds into your theory about the Duke's backstory because he's a Duke and the other ones are lords. Yeah, that's really true. I mean, I should. I was thinking maybe too that he might have been like an aristocrat that was that was uh, that sort of like you know sort of lorded over that that area, and then when Mother Miranda you know created the village or whatever that she you know wanted to get rid of him, but then realized that he couldn't because he's you know, has is is a in the grand tradition of alchemists was able to come up with some kind of invincible. I don't imagine him as being like. I mean, I don't know. That's the thing too, though, is that they're so like, like you said, what the hell is Moreau? Yeah, where the hell did Heisenberg come from? <laughs> you know, I mean, some of the stuff you pick up on, but sometimes though too, 
I'm again, I'm not speaking for the company. I would never dream of speaking of their motivations. They're amazing. I don't even know. But one thing I, they just want to make a really cool game. You know what I mean? Like they just want to make a really, and the designers are just, they're so meticulous, so meticulous, so much so than most games I actually play. I mean, in terms of just the design and, and for this one, they just went absolutely all out. I mean, it's just, I mean, could you imagine just sitting in a room and being like, okay, so for this, you know, so this character is, you know, he's kind of like, he's almost like Magneto, like he can manipulate metal and stuff like that. There's metal flying around as he's talking to you. But then also he creates this army of like Frankenstein guys that have drills for hands and shit. It's like, you know, people just, they're having, you can tell they're just having a blast. Oh, coming yeah. Up stuff, you know? oh yeah. Uh, I have a question about Heisenberg. Um, yeah. And I don't know who did his voice acting off the top of my head. Neil Newbon. Neil Newbon. Yeah. Um, he, he's like a, he's like a, he's like a royalty in the motion capture business. I mean, he, he does, he's done so many video games. Just look him up. He's awesome. Okay. So you're a voice actor. So you understand how all this works. Uh, Heisenberg wise. I thought it sounded like someone trying to do a Nicholas Cage accent, like trying that's, to channel Nicholas Cage. That's amazing. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, and you know, maybe, I don't know. Cause there's been some interviews with him. I know that one time he, I caught an interview with him and he talked about, and I think this is brilliant. He talked about Heisenberg's voice. He's cause he's British. And so he's doing an, an, an American accent. Uh, but he, he talked about it being sounding like a game show host that like, that was one of the things he was going through is kind of like a game show host and like a carnival barker almost. Mm. Uh, but you know, cause he, I, and which is such a creative way to look at it, but that's the only thing that's the only time I've ever heard, uh, somebody i mean i'm sure he's done a lot of interviews the past couple of weeks so i'm sure he's he's maybe has mentioned it before but um but yeah i loved the uh the game show host aspect and uh but it's funny i never thought of nicholas cage until you said that that's amazing the first time i heard it i went is this guy trying to do a nicholas cage cadence because it really sounds like unhinged nicholas cage like, well, I, I mean i loved it but uh, yeah, if he is, uh, you know, more power to him. And if he isn't even more power to him, because that's just, it's kind of funny. Like my character, people keep asking me if it's a Joker, like the Mark Hamill Joker. The Joker sounds like this. Oh yeah, And the Duke sounds like this. So there's like a little, you know, there's still that ah, kind of sound that, that sort of like tone in both of those voices. Um, God, that's spot on. We should get you an interview with Rocksteady for the next Batman game. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, there, people ask, some of these interviews, people have asked, uh, you know, if I had like a dream to do a, a part or whatever. It doesn't have to be the Joker, but a, a Batman villain uh, would be, because I love Batman. Batman's cool, but the whole point of the Batman universe is all the villains, as far as I'm concerned. And so, and that's something that I kind of grew up with, and that would be, that would be amazing. But, you know, I actually, I don't think I'd want to even try to play the Joker because I don't think I could even, I, yeah, I could do Mark Hamill's voice, but, I, but I don't, but I like kind of, I mean, like, you know, please don't print that, that Aaron said he can do Mark Hamill's voice <laughs> um, because I, of course do not, I can get a little bit close to it, but, but then there's Troy Baker. I mean, he did Batman and the Joker. He did. Yeah. Troy Baker is uh God, he's all over the place. That guy. Yeah. 
Well, I guess wrapping up, I will ask you one final question, and this is I ask everybody this in every interview. What what do you want to say to the uh, the gaming world at large? You know, my my circulation's not you know insane. I'm not gaming for no, no. IGN, but what what would you like to tell the folks, the horror fans out there? I mean, I just, evil? I just want to tell them that I am them, and that uh, I am just absolutely thrilled. I'm uh, super proud to be a part of this game. And also super proud to be in the to, to be in a position in the world that I love so much that's a little bit different. Uh, I just I know what it, I you can probably chop this up because I'm just rambling, but I think I know what it's like to be a fan, and um, I'm I I thank them all from the bottom of my heart for for any and all sort of support that they've given me. Um, I really kind of don't have the words to, to thank them for that, but also I just hope that they uh, enjoy it. I, I encourage them to use this as an inspiration to do all their art, to, to do cosplay, to do uh, fan art, to do, to make their own games. To, I mean, please use it as a lightning rod of inspiration to then go out and make the things that you want to make because uh, the people that made this game, that's what they did when they were kids they were probably super nerds for one thing or the other. And then instead of going out and sort of just getting a job and being responsible, they decided to make their life and their responsibility what they loved when they were younger. And so if Resident Evil Village is that for you, I encourage you to do, to, to do that, to, keep, um, to do what they did, to do what the people that made this game did. That's awesome, Aaron. Uh, thank you, play, you uh, so much for finding the time. that together. Oh, that's no, I'm going to print it exactly. Uh, <laughs> But thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. It's been it's been awesome, honestly. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. No, my, my it's my absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you uh, reaching out. And you know, my da- my dad and I really share this love of horror, and he's always sending me articles from Dread Central. So after after this, <clears throat> I'm going to jump on the phone with him, and I think he'll be really pleased and proud to know that I got to be interviewed by by you. Yeah, this will this will probably run Monday or Tuesday since we usually don't run interviews during the weekend it's not a great time for it a lot of the time but yeah it'll yeah. be up in a couple of days i'll send uh, i'll send the link to your pr guy that i've been in contact with just so you don't miss it sure but uh man thanks again uh i got a virtual doctor's appointment so i gotta run but oh yeah I, man. I, I really hope to see you in resident evil 9 i hope to see you in anything i'm gonna be following your career from here on out Oh, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, hopefully I'll get out to some conventions that we can meet in person. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for like the fifth time, man. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.